Hello and welcome to Glow and Tell. I'm Laura. And I'm Karina. And we're twin sisters who love to share our obsession with all things beauty. On this episode, we are going to take a different turn and do something we've never done before, which is talk about a documentary. Yes. Um, today, we are going to be covering the Netflix docuseries Broken, and specifically episode one entitled Makeup Mayhem. And this is a documentary you can watch right now if you have a Netflix subscription or you can, you know, get somebody's password. Um, so please watch that first. Otherwise, we are going to be covering the episode in depth and stay tuned. So the Netflix docuseries called Broken Makeup Mayhem opens up with a shot of Marlena Stell of Makeup Geek fame, and she is setting up a tutorial uh, to film one of her YouTube videos. And basically the first section of this documentary episode is about the numbers of beauty and how beauty is pretty much in its golden age right now. Um, there is a woman, I think she's from Refinery29, I'd like to say. Yeah, she's like the beauty editor for Refinery29. She's talking about, as far as numbers go, beauty is having a huge, huge moment globally. Um, they're talking about how right now it's a $445 billion industry, and they're projecting for it to reach $800 billion in the next five years. That which is crazy. Insane. Yeah. Um, and I think it's pretty clear that social media is not it's not even just like part of the reason why it's like the reason why yeah um they have made like influencers i'm talking about like the rise of the influencer a lot of that is what this documentary was about um and basically it's talking about how influencers create the drive and the demand and the want and the need for these items right and a lot of these these items have become you know quote-unquote cult favorites mm-hmm um, the demand and the supply, um, it basically leads for companies all around the world, but specifically China, to create counterfeit makeup. Right. And, like, the danger that this can pose to the public. Yep. So this episode goes in-depth about counterfeit products and how they are sold globally um, and how people can either spot fakes or um, the companies... and themselves in order to like catch counterfeit products being made so a couple of numbers to throw out there in globally all of the counterfeit products made in all categories take up let me grab the number 460 billion dollars of counterfeit products are made every single year and that is a lot of money yeah i think it said that it was about 2.5 percent of the global economy is fake basically. Isn't that crazy? Fake product. Um, so the rise of social media has everything to do with how popular beauty is right now, especially because information is given in real time versus traditional marketing schemes like print and advertising, where most brands were only putting out one or two collections a year. Now there's collections every other week. You know, in ColourPop's case, which we will get to, this um, documentary features heavily with ColourPop. 
they can be putting out collections in as little as five days. Which I think is insane. So so interesting. And social media, because of the feedback loop, companies are now using people on social media, whether or not they're on YouTube or just their customers that are reviewing their products, they are getting instant feedback from those products and changing their formulas, making things better every single day so the turnaround time for the products and as well as the demand for these products is so much quicker so um i thought that was really interesting and one of the terms that they used was scarcity marketing Mm -hmm. where brands um purposefully create an idea of scarcity or a limited edition or um low stock on hand to create this mad hype and drive and want for a specific product um yeah this is especially true for brands like kylie jenner oh my god jeffree star yes um i personally don't even think that the scarcity tactic it's literally just a tactic that's what it is i believe the product is made but i think they only create Mm, let's say like oh we only have so many thousand in stock there's going to be a restock soon but you'll we'll announce it so you guys can can know when to get it if you didn't get it the first time so it becomes like these waves of hype so like your first launch sells out kylie stuff sells out within seconds mm-hmm. within launch i remember when her brand was just being announced and she came out with a lip kits for the first time i was on they now do like internet online like waiting rooms basically in order to buy product so this happens a lot with jeffree stars launches Even with fenty beauty launches I've never seen that before so this is when a product or a collection is super hyped up that there are so many people online on that website server that you are placed in basically a waiting room. So basically in order to not overload their <clears throat> servers. Like, right. Because that's happened. I, th- I believe with the Jeffree Star and Shane Dawson mm-hmm. conspiracy palette, I believe his website pretty much went down because so many people yeah. were logging in and trying to buy this palette. It was pretty wild. It's, it's <clears throat> a th- I mean, scarcity tactics, they obviously work because it drives demand, it drives hype, it makes things more of like a cult status item right um but i mean nowadays you can find kylie lip kits in an ulta you know yeah like but you still can't buy the full line there you still have to go to the website yeah it's it's a really good it's a really savvy marketing move and the fact that they're using just normal people to market for them um is really genius so marlena said that she didn't have to pay she doesn't pay for traditional marketing she only has ever used social media Mm mm-hmm uh, you know, word of mouth, YouTube, Instagram, Facebook, all that stuff from influencers. And, you know, whether or not people get paid to talk about product, the minute somebody famous or well-known talks about a product, that demand goes up. Yeah, exactly. You know, it's the same thing with, like, okay, so let's take, for example, not beauty, but, like, Kate Middleton. Anytime she wears a dress and they announce who designed that dress, and it's normally kind of like somebody, like, a normal person would be able to afford. It's usually a little spendier, but it's, like... Got not a high street brand, but like let's say it's like uh, I don't know, it's Kate not, Spade yeah. or something like yeah. that. It's not couture, it but it's, out. it's still expensive. As soon as it gets, as soon as somebody famous wears that and it's something that's a little bit more attainable, it sells out instantly. Or it gets knocked off instantly. Oh, yeah. I mean, yeah. the Kate Middleton wedding dress got knocked off the instant you saw her in that dress. People were making dupes of it. Yeah, for sure. So, to circle back, so basically, the hype around beauty, the reason why. Um, these counterfeit products exist are because there is such high demand for these cult status products, namely Kylie Jenner, Jeffree Star, all of the big names in beauty are getting their products 
knocked off by counterfeit um, areas. And most of that manufacturing comes from China. Um, but here is the thing. China has lots of clandestine factories that are very dirty. Um, it's va- basically no some regulation. Basically somebody's house and they're mixing vats by hand. No protective gear. Um, it's been said that they have found traces of urine, fecal matter, rat feces, like carcinogens, um, carcinogens. heavy metals. It's just bad. And so we're going to get into like the whole like sciencey aspect of it. But I want to keep talking about like the whole marketing ploy about why counterfeits happen. It's because, again, supply and demand. Um, the demand is so high and people want something that they can get that looks like the real thing for a less, like for a cheaper price. Yeah. So they go to eBay, they go to Wish, they go to like different Ali, sites, Alibaba, AliExpress, AliExpress, um, Alibaba, online sites. Yeah, all of these different sites. And it just takes, it, I don't know, I, sometimes I'm like, people have to be... Like, they have to know that they're buying fakes, right? Well, here's the thing. I was and thinking, they don't care? I'm confused. I was thinking about this. Before beauty counterfeit was such a big deal, bag counterfeit was a big oh, deal. Oh, designer bags. So, like, remember yeah. when Louis Vuitton came out with the cherry blossoms mm-hmm. and, like, the multicolored monogram looks? Mm-hmm. Those were knocked off left and right. Yep. And I don't think people really care whether or not it's real. For the most... I mean, a lot of people do. Don't get me wrong. There is definitely a value in bri- buying the original authentic thing, for sure. But people... People looked to these specific items as a status status symbol symbol and were able to counterfeit these items to look pretty much identical to the original. So whether or not it was real, most people wouldn't be able to tell with the naked eye unless they were really, really looking closely. Yeah, and it's like clothing, fashion, that stuff has been knocked off, you know, forever and ever. That's, That's how consumers at like a forever 21 price range get like a trendy look that you've seen on runways before that's what fast fashion is yep but on beauty it becomes dangerous when they're using filler products and toxic chemicals to try to recreate the texture the smell the look the color of these items Mm -hmm. in order to seem authentic but in fact it's actually very harmful to people's health Right. Um, and that, I think, is the crux of the issue. A lot of counterfeit goods do not involve the consumer putting it on their skin or ingesting it. It's basically for the look of the item. But now cosmetics, because of the way that the nature of cosmetics, people are putting them on their lips. Mm-hmm. People are putting them next to their eyes. And a lot of dermatologists are seeing increases of reactions and allergic reactions to certain counterfeit products because... There's absolutely no regulation or real research in what is going into these products and they are cutting corners at every chance because the main idea in the counterfeit business is pure profit. Mm-hmm. Um, and so they use very cheap labor and probably unregulated labor to create these products and oh, sell it sure. yeah. at the same price or higher depending mm-hmm. on, you know, you can be searching for a Kylie lip kit that's previously been sold out. You may have it turn up on eBay for three times the amount. And who knows if it's real or not. Most of the time, it is a fake. 
And it's really interesting is sometimes these influencers, they'll actually say, um, this is what a fake looks like. This is what the real thing looks like. These are the things to look out for. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, that just makes it so much more easy for counterfeiters to create a more authentic looking product. It's kind of nuts, especially with Anastasia products. I've seen side by sides and they're getting really hard to tell the difference. Yeah. And it really, I think the, what it comes down to is the consistency, the texture, the final like finish of the product. Mm-hmm. Because a packaging can look spot on, but... A counterfeit most likely will not perform the same. Oh, absolutely not. Um, I want to just keep talking about influencers for a second. Um, I really thought um, the section about ColourPop in this documentary, which, guys, it's like our favorite brand. And I'm so glad that they're in this documentary because they're kind of, um, you know, what people call, not a trendsetter. What am am I thinking? A disruptor. They're basically disruptors in the industry. Mm -hmm. Um, And so ColourPop was founded only in 2014, which I can't believe it's, that that company is that young. It's only five years old. Yes. And it's, it was founded by a brother and sister and their whole, you know, mission for ColourPop is to make their items in the U.S., their packaging in the U.S., the labor, the product itself, everything about ColourPop is made here, but they use social media as a real-time feedback system right. to <clears throat> talk about colors, textures, um, trends, just different, like literally any comment they get, they, they can see in real time and they can provide that product and turn it around and sell it. They said within five days. Yeah. I loved this. Uh, I think this color pop is a big focus of this documentary because it really shows the ins and out of a company that is truly doing something different in the beauty space and doing it really well and it it does i love that they're talking about the sustainability of it all because of course you know labor and all of that is kept within the u.s but to drive prices down which is not normal for something that's purely made in our country because normally if it's made in the u.s you're going to be paying a higher price tag because labor is more expensive product itself is more expensive distribution all that stuff but you know one of the founders he was talking about how you know they're not sitting on a whole warehouse of product just waiting for it to get sold they're making product as orders are coming in correct so it's like a it's not only like a fresher product but it's like super low overhead it's low overhead because you're not wasting money just storing stuff right stuff is not sitting on shelves waiting to be sold and also that kind of explains like they do have a little bit of a longer turnaround time as far as shipping goes but now if now that i know that they're literally making my product like as i'm clicking the order button Mm -hmm. like i know i get something good and you know you can actually see that on some of their skincare products the the milk the fourth ray beauty milks you can see what date it was created like i have one that was created within like a week of me ordering it which was really interesting so yeah it's such an interesting business concept and it's clearly working because they are like huge right now they make collections left and right. And now I know how they do it. It's because yeah. they can do it within five days. That yeah. is so insane to me. Well, and it gave me so much more respect for that company because they're, number one, they're a cruelty-free company. Mm-hmm. Most of their products are vegan where it can be vegan. Um, but I'm just, like, so inspired by their business model. It makes sense for the consumer. It makes sense for their business. And the way that they reach out and have a relationship with the consumer is so modern versus basically a brand kind of talking at you saying like this is what is going to be cool they ask the client the clientele 
you know, what do you want to see? see from yeah. us? Like, what do you want to see in 2020? Tell us what you're most looking forward to. What do you want? What kind of formulas, textures, colors? Let us know. And they honestly take that feedback and they listen to us and they turn around and make something awesome. And the quality has never disappointed me at all. Yeah, their quality is amazing for such a low, low price. Yeah. Um, and you can find some products in some Ulta's, but you're going to have to mostly find them all on online. Right. Which does make more sense, um, you know, like footprint wise. It drives more business to them specifically. And that's a smart model because smart. it reduces the... I mean, you're just saving money as a brand. Like, you're not wholesaling out all of this product that then sits around waiting to be sold by other brands. They Everything is in-house, and I feel like they have such a tight control over that brand that I think there's no wonder that it's one of the most popular indie brands out there. Yeah, I think... Yeah, ColourPop, I mean, I knew it was her favorite brand for a reason. I know, I just, I love them even more after watching this documentary. Um, let's take a quick break, and we are going to get into the nitty-gritty of counterfeit makeup. Welcome back. So now let's talk about the actual counterfeit products themselves. Um, what makes these so harmful to, like, the general public is basically we don't know what's in them. Um, these counterfeit companies are probably taking back the OG product. They are trying to figure out their ingredient list and the different percentages of these ingredients, but then they're basically using cheaper, cheaper dupes of these ingredients in order to make their products at a lower cost. Um, some of these ingredients can be obviously very harmful. Some of them are known carcinogens as some doctors in this documentary were talking about. Um, you know, lead, feces, urine, like, like not obviously things you don't need on your face or anywhere near your eyes. Like, come on people. It's like a danger to the public health. And they're basically just doing this for cost effectiveness. Yep. There's a, uh, one girl that's on this documentary that said that she had bought a Kylie lip kit online, not through the Kylie Jenner website, but through another website claiming to sell an authentic Kylie Jenner lip kit. And she got it in the mail, it looked legit, and she put it on her lips, and her lips stuck together. Yeah. And come to find out later on that this product contained essentially super glue, and she had to use acetone to get her lips unstuck. So the consequences of buying counterfeit makeup are really real, especially because they are going on your skin and on your face, Um, and we just really don't know what's in them, and companies will get anything basically to put into their product in order to get it sold i don't think they're even they don't even care what it looks like on the consumer they care that it looks like the real deal it doesn't matter to them what is actually inside the product um and and a lot of the cosmetics there's like zero almost like little to no regulation of cosmetic ingredients in the united states but according to the documentary it behooves those companies to do their own testing because their reputations are on the line if those products do not hit a certain standard. Correct. Yeah, I mean, and because of, you know, it's 2020. It's like the internet's been around for, what, 30 years now? Like, people are so much more savvy now than they have ever been. Yeah. And people leave reviews and comments. And basically, the rise of the influencer has people showing 
um, you know, in a very live, like real time way of using these products and giving them their thoughts and their feedback. And the loop is so, so tight now around, you know, giving reviews, you know, customer wants, concerns, all that stuff. I mean, we're technically like in a review culture as well. Like so, like people leave reviews for good reasons. I mean, I, going back on the Jaclyn Hill lipstick fiasco, as soon as those lipsticks were being reviewed and there were problems, the entire production was shut down and Jaclyn basically went into hiding for the next six months before her next launch. Yes. Like, the power of the consumer has surpassed the power of brands themselves. So one wrong move can send profits plunging. It can send your stock if you're like, if you hold like stock in a certain company, like mm-hmm. one bad review or reaction and that viral, that po- photo or review is posted online and goes viral, you are basically done. done. Yeah. Like you could be ended forever. I mean, look at what happened to Kat Von D. You make one post about not vaccinating your children and <laughs> next thing you know, you're not even part of your company anymore. Like, whoops. The, the power of the consumer is... It is overpowering the power of brands, and they definitely know that. So it it really makes sense for brands to do their own re- uh, testing and reviews, and that's why people are sent out in PR, because they know the power of influencers. So, therefore, this is driving that market for counterfeit, because the hype and the excitement and, you know, you want to see the Kylie Jenner label on your lipstick. Like, it look, it means something to people, mm-hmm. you know? Consumers feel like pulling out a Chanel lipstick out of their purse means something. And so people are willing to pay for something that looks like the product, even though that product may not be authentic. And it may also stick your lips together. Yeah, that was pretty awful. <laughs> pretty Jesus. horrifying. Yeah. Um, and then the fact that she had to put acetone on her lips... Oh, that girl. is just chemical burns waiting to happen. It was just, it was really bad. Um, yeah, like dangerous chemicals are, it's a huge problem. Um, you know, thankfully reviews exist, but then there's also a part about how fake reviews exist. So basically oh, yeah. bots or people from different brands or companies will pay for bad reviews or good reviews. Right. Um, that is crazy again take reviews with a grain of salt if it sounds too good to be true it kind of probably is yeah and if you look at the top like five star comments five star reviews if they just seem a little too chipper like mm, maybe do a little bit more research i like to look at the top and the bottom reviews basically like the best and the worst and just kind of like see hmm, maybe this product isn't for me but if like the people who have like the worst reviews it's clearly not meant for like their skin type let's say right then i can kind of be like oh well i that, i can kind of filter that review out of my mind yeah because and i know it's it's not gonna work for that person it wasn't yeah. technically made for that person you know what and I, mean? I think this is why youtube has become so important for people because you're not just reading reviews on websites you're actually seeing the product being applied on to a person's face mm-hmm. um and then especially when you find influencers that you trust i tend to gravitate towards the product that they're using because oh yeah i can see it i like the aesthetic that they let you know they have with their their makeup application and i'm more uh enticed to buy those specific items because i see the product being applied i know that it works um and they've given their honest feedback on it so the customer is definitely 
more smart than ever. <laughs> oh, for sure. They have, like, we have ways of finding reviews and finding things about products like we've never had in the last 20 years. Um, they also brought up a good point about Amazon and mm-hmm. buying cosmetics off of Amazon. The majority of products sold on Amazon are sold from third-party sellers who basically have their products through Amazon. Amazon is just the website in which money is exchanged. Correct. Um, so for the most part, the products that you are purchasing on Amazon, especially cosmetics, you really need to be very careful about that. Um, you can always check, like if you want something more legit, you can check who it's sold by because yeah. it'll have like the shop name. Um, I would recommend finding the actual brand itself to see if they sell through Amazon. That is a more legitimate course to take versus finding a random third-party seller. Um, I do know working in the cosmetics industry, there are lots of people that come into department stores and buy up a bunch of products to sell on Amazon or other third-party websites. And I feel like it's a really big problem. I think they are trying to counteract the counterfeit product uh, industry, but the ways that they are doing it is also not legal <laughs> because they're creating... They're finding loopholes, They're finding loopholes to, to resell items at a, at a lower cost to other countries, let's say China. Right. Um, and that's not even just cosmetics. That's like literally any product you can think of. Right. Like people will divert product from one place to another mm-hmm. just to skimp, just to skip out on like certain like taxes and tariffs and right. certain things like right. that. It's all about cost for these people, honestly. Yep. Um, and so there is a shot where they're going into Santi Alley, which is a famous... A uh, really cheap shopping area in LA. I've actually passed by it before. It's literally an alley, but it's basically stalls like a swap meet. Yeah. Where people can buy anything. Junk. Lots of junk. It's mostly junk, but a lot yeah. of it's counterfeit bags, fashion, really cheap counterfeit cosmetics, right. for example. And there have been many raids, you know, put on by like the, not the, maybe not the LAPD, but like, you know, certain police task force because people are are literally making hundreds of thousands of dollars selling these counterfeit products. And I thought it was really interesting that, that the uh, the police officer that they talked to in the documentary basically said that most of these um, counterfeit products, they're distributed through, like, an organized crime. I know. Factor. I was kind of shocked to hear that, too. I guess I never really put two and two together, but he that's, said... That's very... It's honestly... It should be a very lucrative thing for them to do because yeah. they were saying that, you know, drugs... Like narcotics, way more expensive to buy and to create, but counterfeit cosmetics, people are like making this shit for pennies on the dollar. Well, and he said that, you know, out of a certain population, only, you know, maybe 10% are on drugs and willing to purchase like illegal drugs. Mm-hmm. Most of the rest of the society are willing to buy cosmetics, bags, fashion, mm-hmm. phones, you know, things that to the naked eye may look real but they are actually illegal yep um super interesting so santi alley is just one little population he said that um through that one raid they had collected over seven hundred thousand dollars worth of counterfeit goods which is a lot in just like this couple block radius of product Mm -hmm. um so you can see how popular counterfeit items are um it was yeah it was just a really interesting take it was enlightening 
It was very enlightening. It was really interesting because they walk through the alley and they go to a certain stall with a bunch of cosmetics on display and the owner of this stall, nowhere to be found. Well, did you see that Kylie Jenner went to the alley herself? No. I think she did it. Remember when she had her own show for like a hot minute? She went there? Yeah. Oh, shit. Because she realized that, oh, people are counterfeiting my products. Let's go and see. She had like walked through there and like looked at a bunch of all of her stuff being duped. (gasps) It's just like it runs wild. Oh my! And I didn't know that. They, and, they yeah. must have like shit their pants when they saw her. <laughs> yeah, I think she probably got the FBI involved or something. Oh it was like it's very God. serious because, along with the danger to your health, counterfeit is it's property. Crime. It's property crime. It's property and like intellectual property theft. The packaging is, you know, just duped. Like that's just any legal practice in it yeah. of itself regardless of the fact that these items contain bacteria, fecal matter, heavy metals, and so on. Um, Should we switch gears and go to China? There was a really interesting portion where this man is, um, I guess, an undercover detective in China. He works out of China because China is, like, basically ground zero for where counterfeit goods goods are manufactured, Mm -hmm. just in every category. Yep. So he goes undercover and he gets tips from, you know, certain agencies saying, okay, we know this, these people in this specific mall or location are selling counterfeit goods. So basically the idea is he goes undercover, he tries to make a purchase of these items and he can tell whether or not these items are counterfeit. And Mm -hmm. then the, you know, people who are hiring him out can make the arrest or whatever it is. Um, so he keeps trying to go to these locations where counterfeit goods are purported to have um, being sold. He's not in an area where they're being like manufactured. That's kind of like more in rural areas. Right. Um, but he goes to these malls and all of these places are like shut down. They just don't exist. And so it's you can see how quick these businesses up and leave. Yep. If any like wind of them being illegal comes out Uh and it's kind of wild because he just knows like he sees people unpacking trucks on the street he's like oh that's going that's being exported these are probably illegal like the way that these are packaged there's no label on the boxes yep like this is all illegal stuff right it's crazy and And it's 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 just so common and it's happening so fast that it's like basically they're saying yeah it's like whack-a-mole you 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 knock five down and ten more pop up in place it's crazy you can't keep up and then they also go back to customs and border control inspectors in Los Angeles proper and they only are able to you know select a certain percentage of containers that are coming off of the these barges coming from they, China. I think they said it was only like 1% get selected for examination. It's and that's really low because it's all people that have to do this and determine whether or not these items are illegal or not and you know what can you really do? I mean you're never going to be able to stop this business totally from right. happening. Um, but at the very end, basically the consumer is where the buck stops. Literally, like if you choose to purchase counterfeit, there is a demand for it and therefore it will be keep, keep being produced. Um, but you can also choose not to buy counterfeit. And Mm -hmm. the easiest way that you can understand that your items are authentic is buying direct from that business. So if it's not coming out of like a department store, like a Macy's, a Nordstrom, a Sephora, and Ulta, 
and it's not coming from that brand's website or an authorized retailer, most likely it's stolen or it's counterfeit. Yes. Um, I do know that Chanel as a brand is very intense when it comes to protecting their brands from being counterfeited. Oh, extremely. Um, Extremely. I know just for their makeup at the location that we work, any Chanel item that needs to be damaged out has to go back to the vendor. So there is no throwing a Chanel product in the trash or in the hazmat. Nope. And if it does, like if there is a visual or a graphic that needs to be thrown away, we have to deface that visual or graphic. Like it needs to be damaged to the point where nobody would pick this up and try to like recreate the image. Yeah, Chanel's intellectual property, ooh man, it's on lock. They're it is very, on lock. Very, very um, strict. strict on who is able to sell Chanel how it gets out to consumers, and what happens when those products are being um, damaged out through makeup or their graphics. Like, everything about that brand, they are very tight on um, maintaining their intellectual property. But that's also because they can afford to. Right. So right. not every not every large brand can. Um, obviously, it's just some brands are... Of course, you know, they think about it. But it's not, like, a huge priority of theirs. I mean, Kylie Jenner, like, hers are probably one of the most duped things. Duped mm-hmm. lip kits, lipsticks, right. all that stuff. Um, but I think her, you know, creating more product, it does create a higher demand, but it also kind of helps a, a little bit to kind of, like, counteract people buying fakes online. Well, and it... I, you just really need to be smart. Like, if you don't, if you are finding cosmetics on eBay and you feel like it's a good price, I would probably not do it. Think, uh, yeah. You have I'm, to, I, yeah. There's the, authorized retailers for a reason. Yeah. I mean, Amazon, obviously, people, like, Amazon, yes, third-party sellers exist on Amazon, but brands also sell through Amazon. And you like, have to understand what that looks like, because there's, like, yes. on the top left of your Amazon screen when you're shopping for a specific item... There will be a link to the seller, mm-hmm. and if it's not the brand or you know the mother company, it's a third party seller. So yep. anybody could sell on Amazon. I could sell you a L'Oreal mascara and say this is the L'Oreal mascara, but you wouldn't have known it's coming from me. Mm-hmm. You would think, oh, it's coming from this large warehouse, and Amazon has all this product. No, 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 that's not <laughs> how it works. Um, and there was a couple of law enforcement uh, guys that work specifically in counterfeit, and they said that you should always look for the three P's when determining a product is counterfeit or not, and that is price, place, and packaging. So if the price is more than what the actual price is at the regular retailer, say you want a Fenty lip gloss that's sold out. Fenty lip glosses retail for $19. If you see it on Amazon for $45, that product is fake or stolen. Yeah. There's no way that an online retailer would sell it for double, triple the price when you know it's retailed at a much lower value. Yeah, if it's an authentic source or authentic reseller, they would sell it at cost. They would sell it at the normal price. They would not... Yeah. I mean, if they're selling it for double, they're trying to make a profit, something's up. Yep. Then place. You need to know where your products are being sold. So look for an authorized retailer, a department store, Ulta, Sephora. The brand's direct website is probably the most um, easy to understand, obviously. You're not going to find a fake Kylie Jenner lip kit on KylieCosmetics.com. Yeah. Um, 
And as far as I know, she's only selling through her website and Ulta. Yes. So those are the only two places you could ever find her product and that is legit. If there are like certain indie brand items that become called, um, the best way to find their items is through their own website. That way yep. you're also supporting them fully. Yep. Um, I know Makeup Geek has just rebranded, but I, I also thought it was interesting that Marlena was such a big part of this documentary. Yeah, she um, really was. She was actually saying that some of Makeup Geek items were being counterfeited as well, like some of her collaborations. I think it looked like the collab that she had with Am- Manny MUA mm-hmm. was a counterfeit as well. That's so wild. Um, which, yeah, that's so, just crazy. But <laughs> she's like, well, you know, there, we, there's only so much money we make. At it. We're not a huge brand yet, but, you know, I think it was really interesting to see her take on it as an, as an indie brand owner. Yeah. Um, yeah, this whole documentary in general was was really interesting. I mean, I've kind of heard a lot about the, the counterfeit culture and, like, makeup in general um, being counterfeited and faked and all, like, the dangers that come along with it. But it is kind of interesting that, like, the lengths people will go to to get that one status item. Like, guys, it's a yeah. lipstick. Or it's an, it's an eyeshadow palette. It's like, why are you... Why are you... Not buying the real thing just for an eyeshadow palette. If it comes off AliExpress, it's not real, guys. No. <laughs> just going to put that out there. The last item in the P, the three Ps, is packaging. So Yes. Packaging is looking more and more legit. Yes. It's very hard to tell sometimes. Sometimes you really don't even know. Um, but a lot of the times, counterfeit packaging will be slightly off color. The text will not be as crisp. Look for images like they showed the image of like the Facebook logo or the YouTube logo being the wrong color, mm-hmm. um, which I think is so funny. And it happens, what? or like you know, there's little misspellings here and there. So you really need to be diligent. I know Norvina will sometimes look at fakes versus real, mm-hmm. and she'll show you the differences. Yep. Um, I always yeah. thought that was. I always think that's really funny. She's like, "Yeah, look, this is misspelled." Right. It's like, come on, guys. Yeah. You know. It's kind read, of, read your kind of product crazy. packaging. <laughs> anyway, so I thought this documentary was really enlightening. I, I think people that are outside of, like, being, like, involved in beauty, I think will be quite surprised. I think because we're surrounded by beauty and stuff, it, I totally understand this counterfeit culture that's going on. But because it's cosmetics and it's going directly on your skin... You have to be really careful. Careful because that can really mess you up. Like, you don't want an allergic reaction. Like, you just, and you don't want to be ingesting, you know, things that are just really not good for your health. I mean, you don't need to be ingesting cosmetics anyway, but you don't want to be ingesting cosmetics with like lead and rat feces. Let's just, I mean, just saying. Right. And be smart about where you're buying your products from. If there was no demand for counterfeit product, like it wouldn't be that this wouldn't be out there. But because there is such a demand for fake products, that's why this is such a huge problem. Um, it reminds me of the episode of Sex in the City where they go to L.A. Yes. And Samantha buys a fake Fendi. The fake Fendi. And then. Oof. And then she gets it. She gets it taken at the Playboy party. Yes. And she's like, oh, no, look, it's fake. Just look at the label. It says made in China. Oh, that's so funny. And like the back mm. alleyway, like she tries to get convince Carrie to come with her into the valley and they go and it's <sighs> this back well, of this guy's car yes. and it's all of these counterfeit bags. And Carrie was just like really put off by the whole experience. Just it's, for it's the, just a little bit like a seedy underbelly of like beauty culture is counterfeiting. Well, it's, and it's just so weird. Imagine like, 
having a fake Louis Vuitton bag. You know it's fake. Like mostly everybody else can know it's fake. But why but why does that make you feel better? You know it's not real. I don't know. I don't know. Anyway, guys, so that was the documentary. It is available on Netflix. Um so yeah, let us know your thoughts about it. How do you feel about counterfeit culture and makeup and beauty? Are there any products that you've seen online that have been counterfeited? I know I've seen lots of like Kylie Jenner, Jeffree Star gets ripped off a lot too. Yep. Uh-huh. Um anyway, do you want to take a break? I have let's talk about some book re- let's do a little book report. Okay. All right, we'll take a break and we'll be right back. Karina? Yes. It's 2020, Uh and one of my intentions was to read more, and I have to say, I'm off to a pretty good start so far. on a roll? I'm on a roll, and I am really getting back into the habit of reading, Mm -hmm. and I just love the escape of reading. You know what I mean? Yes, welcome. (laughs) Welcome to life. (laughs) Not everybody is a reader. It's true. I mean, I used to be a huge reader when I was a kid. Um, I did really well last year, um, thanks to Audible as well, but you know what? I've canceled my Audible subscription, so now I'm like, oh god, I don't, I haven't been listening to anything, I haven't been physically reading anything. The, the physical reading is, was a really hard thing for me to get back into because I'm so used to scrolling on my phone or listening to a podcast that I'm, it's very passive activity for me, and so reading is very much an active you have to pay attention, otherwise you're just like, you know, reading the same thing five times. So yep. I have some books to share with you mm-hmm. and everybody. And so far I've read one book, but I am reading two more in the process. So the first... At the bo- same time? Yes, and I'll get to Oof. why. Oof, I don't know if... Because they're know very... If ever done that. They're very different. And it, I need a break from one and then, then I can go into the other. Mm-hmm. So the first book that I read and I really enjoyed was Little Weirds by Jenny Slate. Oh. And it's a really short book, which is why I picked it for my first book of 2020 because I felt like it would be easily digestible. It, I can um, get back into the habit of reading. Just little little, little dip, dip your toes into. Exactly. And the chapters were, you know, some of them are only a couple of pages. So is this like a, mem- like a memoir thing? It is, is a loose memoir, but in the guise of like a more whimsical, poetic. I don't, it's hard to explain what this book is, but it was very enjoyable for me. Is it funny like David Sedaris? No, okay. it's cynical she talks a tiny bit she kind of creates these stories about her life without so much as saying like this is my life ah okay um but they are very whimsical jenny slate is a really funny comedian who's very out there and eccentric and weird (laughs) and her stories really reflect her personality um and they're very easily digestible a lot of it has to do with being frustrated as a woman (laughs) just going just being in the world as a woman (laughs) a lot of the essays about that are, are called like i died and she's just like, this guy is talking to me, and I literally died. My soul, like, floated up into the ceiling, and she's like, <laughs> I was dead. Well, maybe I'll have to, st- uh, maybe I'll borrow that and ma- it was, ma- make that the first book I read yeah. of 2020. It was a fun, really quick read, and it helped me get back into the swing of, like, taking a book to work, reading a book before bed, re- you know, just getting into the habit of it. Oh, um, man, reading a book before bed, that's, like, instant, like, I will fall asleep within, like, seven pages and I'm done. I I know. It literally takes me like two pages and I'm like conked out. Yeah. So anyway, so then the second book I picked up, this 
actually I bought I bought little weirds for Steve and I bought this next book for Steve for Christmas but I just happened to just take them <laughs> so this next book is called Trick Mirror and it is by Gia Tolentino who is like our age she's 30 or 31 oh, shit. Jesus. Um, <laughs> and the book is called Trick Mirror Reflections on Self Delusion so <laughs> this book is very academic it is dense she is an essayist and mm. she's been featured in lots of newspapers um it is not a novel. It are, it's definitely essays about cultural criticism. Right. They are super interesting. And I really would love other people to chime in if they've read this book because it is something that I definitely think needs to be discussed. Um, so, for example, she has an essay about how being on social media is completely altering the way that we perform like we are now performing for others yes um and so much of our online life is now just linked to who we are as people and so we tend to feel like you know the fear of missing out is a is a real thing and so instead of actually experiencing and live living experiences we are trying to capture it and put it out to the world versus just enjoying it for what it is so legit it's all about social media but the, they're different kind of, essays, so per- they kind of they go yeah. into different areas of cultural and society like life. But it's so interesting, and it's beca- and it's through her perspective as a woman, as a minority person, as a person that is you know in their early thirties, has grown up with the internet being so vital to her existence. And I think a lot of us can relate. It's a very relatable book of essays it is just really dense like I am not somebody that usually picks up nonfiction because I really enjoy the escapism of reading fiction books but this is such a good book interesting I think you would really like it I think it's the book that everybody in the millennial generation should be reading because it really the trick mirror the self-delusion like you are kind of confronted with things that like kind of hit hard and close to home. <laughs> I mean, yeah. I mean, really, what is social media if not a performance? It's all performative. It's basically... It's, interest- it's very por- interesting. It's portraying an image of yourself that you think people want to see mm-hmm. and not your true, authentic self. Right. And so, you know, infl- we're, again, coming back to, like, influencers, yes. basically they... You know, they, they like to portray a happy, chic, smart, fashionable, outgoing lifestyle. But mm-hmm. some of them have also admitted that they have, like, really bad social anxiety. They don't like going to events. Because but real they do life this, is hard. Real life is hard. <laughs> and they do this because it's lucrative and it's their job. Yeah. Like, I have worked in retail for going on 13 years now. Mm-hmm. And I can tell you, I don't love retail, but this is what I do. I like what I do now, but interacting with people on a daily basis <laughs> is difficult. Yeah. It's difficult to do. Like, as an introverted person, I can put on a happy face all I want for those eight hours I'm there. And as soon as I come home, girl, the, the, the bra comes off, the pajamas are on. Yeah. I don't want to talk to anybody. Right. But <laughs> I go to my phone and I scroll through Instagram. And it's just my like activity. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, yeah. she, there's a really funny essay about. Well, it's not funny. It's more like sad. It's about feminism and how now instead of feminism being linked to male oppression, we are using other means in which to oppress ourselves Mm -hmm. as women. Um, And a lot of it has to do with the self-care space and how 
you know... Like being embarrassed of it? No, like the idea of self-care becoming an industry and money being pumped into it. Oh, yeah, for sure. Like you're not really relaxing unless you have a face mask, you're doing your nails, your hair is done. You need products to relax. exactly. Mm -hmm. So, and then she talks about athleisure clothing. Oh, God. It's just the idea. I literally just face I know. Athleisure. Just everything about this book is so enlightening. Okay, Speaking of athleisure, we went on a Target run today, and oh, no. in their women's active session, there is literally, I kid you not, an active wear jumpsuit. What? And it's like a tank top style, legit jumpsuit. Why? In like a weird nylon <laughs> material. And I'm like, I'm sorry, what? I was so confused. I'm like, people don't wear this to work out. It was no. a full length jumpsuit to the ankles. Oh, God. What? Yeah. I just, I honestly was like, I'm sorry. I Again, never mind. But <laughs> athleisure boggles my mind. It's yes. like this, it's like looking athletic when we all know you're just wearing that yes. shit to go to Target. Exactly. And that's the exact, that's what she says. And now because it's every, you know, athleisure is so body hugging. Now people are more conscious of their figure when they're wearing these items. But you're wearing sweatpants. Even though they're not going <laughs> to the gym. Like, you're just more on display base. Anyway, so if you haven't read this book, I highly suggest it. It is quite dense and, like, it takes a lot of concentration to go through because you are confronted with this, like, very dense, rich, like, academic essay, basically. And so, in between reading this book, I have since picked up this book called The Nightingale by Kristen Hanna, which apparently last year was Goodreads best historical novel oh and goodreads is like i think linked to amazon where it's an app i'm on goodreads if you are on goodreads it has like reviews and all that but you can update your progress you can say like what you're reading you can like update your progress it's a good way to be accountable of the books that you're reading and you can find recommendations from your friends you can read reviews you can put things on like a list of like i want to read that the thing i do miss from audible it's like i read or excuse me i listened to a bunch of like classic literature last year but it was mostly all female writers i I listened to maybe two jane austen novels i listened to wuthering heights which is one one of the bronte sisters Uh i read all of outlander which again is written by a woman like i read and i love all like the suggestions it's like things you may like and i'm like ooh, yes give me that historical fiction yeah so the goodreads is like that but on an app um and this book i got from a recommendation from a friend she said she read this and was like immediately sucked into it and it was so emotional for her and apparently a lot of people have amazing reviews of this book and i started it and i'm already i literally bought this two days ago you're like a third of the way through and i'm on a page 122 (laughs) it's a really good book so what is it about it's historical fiction it is based in france and Mm -hmm. there are two sisters who are 10 years apart and it is as soon as the book starts, Germany is occupying France, mm-hmm. and I haven't gotten so too far into it, but the way that this author writes is she grabs your attention by page one, and it's very, um... It's like hit the visceral. ground running. Yeah. Like, yeah. There's no pauses, there's no breaks in this book. The action happens immediately, which I really like, because if, if something is really not grabbing my attention, I tend to kind of just abandon the book, and I've done that with several books so far, um... But it's a really good book so far, and it's interesting because I'm not somebody that likes to read about wartime. Like, I'm more of, like, a fantasy 
young adultish kind of book reader. Oh, same. Oh, same. But this is rooted <laughs> in, you know, real history that's happening and it or had happened. It's very interesting. So the two sisters are kind of polar opposites. One of them is older and has a family and her husband has to go off and fight this war. And the other younger sister is like the rebellious type who's always getting into trouble, doesn't have any attachments to anyone or anything. Hmm. And the circumstances of the Germans invading France or specifically Paris has them coming together and living together. I'm not sure what happens later on. I'm only a third of the way through, but it's quite... um, attention grabbing so I'm really excited to keep going like I'm I keep finding myself being like oh I want to like carve out like another hour and just like read more because I really want to know what what happens apparently it's getting turned into a major motion picture oh interesting so that might be fun to watch so those are my books that I've been reading so far and I'm glad to get it back into the world of books because it's so fun that I mean it seems so basic but books are really just like an escape and right now it feels like a self-care thing to do oh yeah reading is totally Mm self-care like take time to just be with yourself and be with a book and it and it felt really fun to like instead of going to sephora i went to the amazon store and i like (laughs) browsed books and i took a couple home Ooh, like it's a treat yeah it's a treat that keeps on giving people yes um Um, i really want you to read those ton of french books so ton of french is one of my favorite writers she writes these mystery novels set in ireland i do love a mystery novel I love a good mystery and a thriller especially mm. hers are great because a lot of the times like i usually think i'm pretty savvy when it comes to things like this like a murder mystery you know i can always spot like the twist coming oh girl no every time no not her oh, that's not exciting. her at all Mm-mm. it is some of her books are amazing and some of them, actually two of them, basically got smushed together and made into a show. Oh, yeah, On, yeah. I think, Stars or Showtime. Is it Murder? What it's called it? The Dublin Murders. Okay. And so it's really interesting. And it's cool because they don't, it's not like a linear, like, series, but they all kind of involve the same world of people, like the, like a, the mm-hmm. Dublin Murder Squad, basically. Mm-hmm. And so it's like some chief, like, or basically, like, deputy tangentially related becomes the star of the novel in her next book if right, that right, makes right. sense okay so some some of these people have either heard of each other or know each other or are partners with each other but it's not like a series in that it's like a linear like you don't have to read them in a specific right. order yeah okay that's so good. you can just pick up any one of them and they'd be good oh i have to tell you oh what? i read this book last year and it was so good and there the movie is coming out in a couple of months it's called the woman in the window was that oh it was so good it was a thriller do you have it here i actually lent it out to someone (gasps) okay it was really good it's a quick read but i was like on the edge of my seat like oh my god what's happening it's this woman who is agoraphobic and so she looks you know she looks at her neighbors through her windows basically so for those who don't know agoraphobia is like the fear of like leaving your home can't leave her home can't leave like crippling like can't take a step out of your door like that's how bad yes okay so she is severely agoraphobic and she's also a therapist so she helps people online and offers advice for people online but um she has some visitors and new neighbors and 
something is not what it seems. Oh, I'll just put no. it at that. You can. We'll watch the trailer for it. The trailer's oh. out, and it's oh, Amy. No. Ad- is it Amy Adams? Amy Adams isn't it? Oh Jesus! Okay. Yeah. So anyway, that was a really good book. Anyway, so those are the books that I've been reading. I'm really excited to be back into the swing and the practice of reading because it really is a practice. Mm-hmm. Um. So if you guys are on Goodreads, I think I'm Laura Lutz on there. I don't even know what my name is on there you can find me I'll leave a link somewhere um (laughs) but it's a fun way to like track your progress and look for new books and yeah well thank you guys for listening to another episode and if you want to watch that documentary give us your thoughts what did you think about it how do you feel about counterfeit cosmetics have you ever purchased anything that was a counterfeit product um so you can follow us on instagram at glow and tell podcast and subscribe to our podcast wherever you listen to them uh, we are on Spotify, Apple, Stitcher, Google, all of, all of the above. And we will see you in our next episode. All right, bye. Okay, bye.